Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness, and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at 9 with us. Oh, yeah. Good morning, everybody. That's right. It's Monday, the most important day of the week. It's Monday, July 17th, and today is National Peach Ice Cream Day. It's also the day for International Criminal Justice, National Tattoo Day, National Yellow Pig Day, which I have no clue what that actually means. I think it has to do with your piggy banks. It's also World Emoji Day, so make sure you get some emojis out in your text messages, everybody. And it's National Get Out of the Doghouse Day, Matthew St. Germain. And it's National Wrong Corrigan Day, which I have no clue again. And it's National Lottery Day. So make sure you go out and buy a ticket, even though we don't have a national lottery. But thank you for joining us and getting high at nine with us. It's also high noon on the East Coast. And please remember to like, share, and subscribe to us on all social media platforms. Use that fancy little QR code right there in the top-hand corner of, the, of your screen to see where we live at the Internet. And we're live every Monday through Friday on YouTube. And not only on Twitter spaces, but Twitter is not allowing me to open up a Twitter space, so we're not going to be there today. Um, so without further ado, we are going to kick it off with the dope dad himself. That's right. It's Rico Lamite looking super, super fresh and clean like he had a restful weekend. <laughs> He's the master flip-flopper and the dope dad himself. That's right. It is Rico Lamite. I've got no applause. I don't need it. <laughs> well rested. Uh, well rested, not really. Um, thank you, Jason. My story today is going to ruffle some feathers, some feathers, and I cannot wait. Because why? We're going to be talking about reparations. The word Republicans who hate paying debts hate the most, but also a whole lot more appropriate conversations to have uh, been promising Black people licenses to long shot businesses. Let's talk about Evanston, Illinois. It's uh, the hometown of my alma mater, Northwestern University, and it has become the first to start paying reparations, qualifying black residents in what some are calling a test run for the entire country. The Chicago suburbs already paid 16 locals from a $10 million pot first approved in 2019. But by the end of the year, the city's reparations committee expects to have paid 25000 each to 140 a whole lot of people, 140 qualifying residents. Uh, Justin Hansford, head of the Thurgood Marshall Civil Rights Center in Howard University, said he sees it as a test run for the entire country. For the article, qualifying residents had to be at least 18 and living in the city between 1919 and 1969 when the city passed a fair housing ordinance, um, the infamous measure that deprived many black Chicago residents um, of home ownership 
due to redlining and other forms of outright institutional racism. Evanston's $10 million fund was initially supposed to come all from a tax cash uh, and revenue produced by legal cannabis sales, but Chicagoland's slow rollout of licenses proved too slow, leading the rest of it to be paid out from real estate transfer tax money from properties worth more than $1 million. It was also approved by the city council. Um, so reparation is going to be paid out by weed and the wealthy. I like it. Even though just under $1.2 million has, uh, has been gathered for reparations, Evanston's mayor, Daniel Bliss, said that the city is not concerned over whether reparations are paid out elsewhere, including the federal level. Our job here is to move forward and continue being that example to continue illustrating that a small municipality can make real tangible progress and the city will move forward and continue being that example no matter what the rest of the U.S. does. Wish I have my applause there. This, this is how you do it. That's how that's leadership. <laughs> the payout, however, is a number far too little for critics like local civil rights activist Bennett Johnson. In a recent town hall meeting, Johnson said twenty five thousand was not enough and called the nineteen sixty nine cutoff year totally arbitrary, given black people were discriminated against long after that. He has a point on both. Uh, Kenneth Weidman, the ineligible Evanston resident and seventy seven year old Vietnam. Namvet rightfully told the journal that we have not received real reparations, the 40 acres and the mule we were promised. But not everyone was completely dissatisfied. Ramona Burton, 74 years old, uh, who used her $25,000 to upgrade uh, the home she's lived in since the 70s and called it, it's a good start, better than a blank. I guess. Um, I know reparations is not the most popular thing. Uh, or most popular path to making black people whole on the nation's debts owed and to help right at least some of the wrongs levied on black communities, both past and present. But things haven't gotten better. And the societal opportunity gap as a result between Americans is at an all time high. I've always said it, uh, that if you want us to stop complaining about the obvious injustices that seem to go down regularly to no end, it won't take much. Just cut us the damn checks. If y'all can pull trillions of dollars out of nowhere to pay stimulus checks and wars that we're technically not in, y'all can run us our motherfucking money and let our communities thrive on our own so we don't have to com complain about being discriminated at this business or that business. As far as using funds derived from cannabis revenue to support folks not looking to get into the industry, it's a little more complicated there for me. And um, I think it's the social equity program, though, that would satisfy, satisfy a lot more folks than what we've seen so far. But I'm interested in hearing what the rest of the team says about this one. I'm Rico Lamit, the dopest dad on the street. Let's get it. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I just can't believe this is what they did with their tax revenue. Their cannabis tax revenue. But th that this is what they're doing with it. Well, what's wrong with that, Jason Beck? I, I just, I'm just surprised. I'm just surprised. It's the first municipality to do this with their tax revenue. It's the first time I've seen this. Like, I even texted Rico before the show. I was like, bro, what does your story have to do with cannabis? He's like, bro, that's, they use the money from their cannabis taxes to, 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 to give this money away. Well, and my reading of the story was the tax money from cannabis didn't come in fast enough, so they did find the money from somewhere else. Uh, but it was originally set aside that this was supposed to be tax revenue from cannabis. Mm -hmm. Um, I agree with Rico in one regard that I think this is a better use of money than social equity licenses. I agree with I that agree. part. Like, yeah. I'm very eager to see how this goes and, and, um, 
No, we're, I think everybody's just taking a shot in the dark and trying to figure out a plan. And this is an interesting, interesting route for sure. So does anyone think that any other, any other super woke cities are going to do this as well? Super, super woke. <laughs> <laughs> Define super woke. What is super woke, Jason? Super woke, bro. I mean, Evanston, Illinois sounds like they're a super woke city to me. Definitely a wait and see moment. Mm -hmm. like, I want to. I want to see I like mean, like a real there a big. Lot of super woke out there in California, and you guys are the ones who've been talking most loudly about reparations. Uh, not, not love not, to not, say not, that not, word, that but that was actually that was it's actually. Funny you guys Gavin love to Newsom. say that word, but nobody can actually define it. Like Rico just asked Jason right. to define it, and he just it was a little bit of word salad. And then we move on. Like, <laughs> let's just let's just talk about we, the fact we, that let this, me tell you something. If you wealth, don't, if you don't know what it is, was built on the backs of of black citizens who worked as slaves in the fields and were beaten. Or forced to breed with each other against each other's will. Killed, Children were taken from them at near infancy. And why is it such a crazy woke idea to repay the hard work and the theft that happened over the last few years? That was promised. Yes. The 40 acres and mule never came. Okay, well, let's simmer down there because yeah. if you look at why they gave this money, it's for people from. And 1919 to 1969, they don't seem to be referencing slavery as the reason for paying out these reparations. It appears no. to be civil rights injustices in Illinois. No, and uh, that's 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 why their civil rights leader, like said, like this is not enough. The uh, Vietnam vet said this is not the 40 acres and mule that I was promised. Um, but you know, like that woman said, it's better than a blank. It's well, I mean. I mean, if they keep on voting for Democrats, they got the mule, so they just need the 40 acres. Keep on voting for Republicans won't get shit, right? I, mean, <laughs> I think you'll get more. I think you'll get more. I think you would actually would get more other than broken promises because what, what you were re referencing earlier, Gretchen. Hold on, hold on. Let me let me speak. What you were referencing earlier, Gretchen, um, was Gavin Newsom's plan to give uh, everyone in San Francisco or whatever reparations. Um, or maybe it was just a San Francisco plan. I just know Gavin was 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 talking about it, but well, they, they, they already like canceled that plan. Five million a person, or something. yeah, they five million. They, quite a larger number, of per, quite a large number. Yeah, which which adjusted for which adjusted for inflation is right on right on par with what it should be. We're literally talking about we're talking about that's not even that's not even including interest, which should be incurred as well. Oh, boy. we're talking about I, I hundreds so, of years yeah. of labor. We're talking about hundreds of years of labor by thousands and thousands of people. Think about that. Well, think what I'm that. thinking about, Matthew St. Germain, is how do you decide who gets the money? Yeah, because there are plenty of people who came here after slavery. There's plenty of white people who also came here after slavery. Do they have to pay into this? I mean, how do you make those distinctions? And that's what I think is holding up and a lot of the questions on the reparation side. Of mm -hmm. is I, think those really are, I think those are valid questions. I think those are valid questions and we need to continue to discuss them to find an answer. Might not, I might not yeah. myself have the answer. I'm not the smartest guy here on the panel. But I know that we do need to continue to discuss mm -hmm. this and just to rebuff it and say, like, let's all move on. It doesn't really stop uh, or change the, 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 the facts on the street. And if you guys look like... The reason there's all these smash and grab robberies at dispensaries, the reason they're running into Louis Vuitton, folks are running into Louis Vuitton stores and, and stealing everything on the shelves is like there's no opportunity, there's no economic opportunity, there's no educational opportunity. And 
we're either going to just continue to devolve further and further into a third world chaotic anarchic state. We're going to start realizing, like I was saying last week, <laughs> the system is not working, serving the people who live in this country. We can we can just hide our head in the sand until we all have private security guards. We can start just admitting that the system isn't working and start having discussions, try to fix it. Well, so, so 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 I, I agree with you um, in in the fact that there is a lack of opportunity for for different people. But another reason for all of this crime at the same time is these DAs and that that aren't prosecuting any crime. There is no real punishment for smash and grab robberies. You first time first time offense, you get you get probation. Second time, you get like a month or two. Like there is no no real punishment you're, for for any of this. You're, attack, you're, attack, you're attacking the symptom. Thank you. I'm just I'm just You're stating the obvious. Not, not the cause. No, it's, it's not the obvious. I I, I, I agree that there's a lack. There, there's a lack of. I agree that there's a lack of opportunity. I agree with that. You wouldn't need any of the, the heavy-handed enforcement if people had opportunity. They wouldn't find themselves doing a lot of the things that you're you're creating a solution for a problem that doesn't exist for. Okay, I can we bring it back around to the bigger <laughs> question yep. that started this? Is should cannabis be the revenue source? to pay this stuff off. I think it now here's my one concern speaking as a Republican who understands less woke, whatever you want to call them, less out there mm -hmm. guys. If you make this about reparations, <laughs> since Republicans have been traditionally getting on board with this because of tax revenue and money going to education and all sorts of other things. If you make it about money going to reparations, does that dry up the, right support of cannabis legalization i think it will i think it will i think i think i think they should do the carbon taxes how they should pay for reparations is with a carbon tax i think it's an easy way for them to skirt the issue of um social equity being unconstitutional on a federal level social equity is not going to be uh, um, um it's not going to be constitutional nope. um on a federal level and so if you use the tax revenue to right the wrongs, I think that's an easy way to remedy that problem because a lot of people are going to be pissed off and a lot of people, it's, it's going to be a lot of hell to be paid <laughs> for all these even more broken promises on a state level um, once interstate commerce goes into play. I think people are just always looking for a reason to be pissed off in the first place. though. It does feel that way sometimes, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but you know what? If you, if you don't give people the reason to be pissed off, maybe they won't be pissed off. I'm speaking for the black community right now in that particular instance. All right. Well, uh, on that, we're going to go to a commercial and we're going to be right back. <laughs> How's it going, guys? Saman Razani coming to you from Green Street here with Jason Beck smoking on the best weed in the world. Did you know that we have an audio-only version of our podcast available on Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio and Spotify. Tune in now and check it out. Up next, y'all know him as the industry's longest continuously operating retailer and also the man known for smoking the best weed in the world and cannot define woke. I don't need Jason to define woke. Oh, you guys are funny. You guys are funny today. Oh, man. Well, I'll tell you what. You know, there's some weird things going on. And all this talk about uh, talk about protecting the kids, to me, is just getting a little bit more ridiculous. And this story just proves it. 
Because Missouri extends the grace period for marijuana plain packaging rules meant to protect children. That's right. Less than a year after adult-use cannabis first hit the shelves in Missouri, the state is cracking down on how appealing cannabis product packaging can be. New rules governing the number and types of colors, symbols, and text that can be displayed on cannabis products go into effect next year. The deadline now is set for January 31st of 2024, which was extended from the original date of July 30th to give manufacturers and dispensaries a longer grace period to sell existing products. Missourians voted in favor of the constitutional amendment that legalized adult-use cannabis in November of 2022, and cannabis products became a adult use available in dispensaries as of February. The amendment included language stating that cannabis and cannabis infused products should not only be attract should should not be attractive to children or manufactured in shapes or packages that are easily confused with commercially sold candy that does not contain cannabis. The amendment allows the Department of Health and Human Services to expand on these regulations throughout the March throughout throughout March. DHSS received more than 800 public comments suggesting changes to the regulations which were taken into account for the new and final rules. DHSS new rules limits packaging to one primary package color and up to two logos or symbols that can be of different colors. These logos or symbols cannot be larger than a clearly printed word like cannabis in black or white text. And additionally, the following warning should be printed on all marijuana products. Cognitive and physical impairment may result in the use may, may result from the use of marijuana keep out of the reach of children. Any violation of these rules may result in a penalty of up to $5,000 and Missouri's decision to implement stricter packaging rules for cannabis products, according to DHSS, is for safety of the children, they say. The Missouri Poison Control Center has collected data on the number of cannabis-induced poisonings in children since 2015, which has steadily increased. Uh, Amanda Ruback, community outreach coordinator, told uh, the news later that the number of these poisonings has risen four in 200 four risen for, risen four four in 215 to 125 in 2022 for the children under the age of 5 ruback said most cannabis infused poisonings reports are related to edible products like cookies and gummies she added that 34% of the reported poisoning involved 2 year old children who are in their prime exploration stage, she says. The number of reported poisonings started to double year after year in 2019 when the medical cannabis became available in Missouri, and Ruback said she expects the data from this year to be the most telling with the legalization of adult-use cannabis. This year, uh, this year already, the number of reported poisonings has been in double digits each month with 23 reports in April, Ruback said. In comparison, there were nine reports in April of 2022. And several other states have legalized adult-use cannabis, have stricter regulations for product packaging, and Connecticut, Massachusetts, and New Jersey are among states implementing plain packaging, according to the Network for Public Health law. What these regulators look like differs by state, and Connecticut requires packages to be uniformly one color with edible marijuana products in completely white packaging, and Massachusetts requires packaging to be plain with no bright colors, and New Jersey requires single-color packaging with no logos or symbols or different colors and yada, yada, yada. It just keeps going on and on and on, and you can read the full article over at our website at www.hyatt9news. 
Com. But I'm going to digress and see what the see what the rest of my fellow correspondents have to say about this because I know I have some thoughts on this as well. What do y'all have to say? Well, what I would say is that they're attempting right to to create a comfort zone, I guess, if you will, for people. I, at the end of the day ultimately comes down to our parents or individuals storing their cannabis properly and safely. I don't know that any sort of packaging really is going to make a huge deterrence of a difference. I mean, when you think about, you know, one symbol or two symbols on the package, it doesn't matter. A piece of candy looks like a piece of candy at the end of the day. And are you storing that away? Are you having a dialogue with your child and explaining to them that this is not for you? Mm-hmm. You are not allowed to have this. Do not touch this. Yeah. If you're not having that conversation and you're just hiding your stuff around your house, you're asking for trouble because lack of transparency creates more lack of transparency. When your kid finds your stash, they're not going to come to you and say, what is this? They're going to be more secretive with it. Just rip the secret out. Be really transparent with your kids, folks. And all of these extra special warnings on the package a liquor bottle don't stop a teenager from picking it up and taking it to a party. Sorry. I don't know. I'm Canada does that, right? Well, has the opaque packaging. Yeah, every everything just is in white white packaging with black letters and whatnot. And I, I just feel like this that this isn't really to uh to, to to save the kids. I think they're using the kids as a scapegoat. For this type of a uh, type of change, I think what this is really for like, is for law enforcement for for law enforcement to be able to identify what is actually legal product, and then that way they are quicker to be able to identify trap product. That's what I, I mean, think. The, the, save the, the save the children mantra is pretty much the uh, the go to Republican playbook, right? Nowadays, I mean, it's a go it's go to Democrat playbook too. Don't get it twisted, right? No, I'm just saying, like, when, when Republicans want to have some kind of heavy-handed regulation on anything, they're like, oh, it's, it's to save the children. I don't, I don't think I'm not this buying needs that. to turn into You're a political issue, Rico. I think, and Mandy, to your argument, to me, the way I read this, I read this more for young children. I don't read this as a precautionary thing for teens. Yes, you should have those conversations with teens, but I think it's more about a small child in my reading of what they're trying to do, a small child finding a colorful package and then getting into it. Yeah, but a, a, chi- a child's not looking looking for all that. A child is looking to get anything that they can get their hands on, and if they, it is in the reach of them, they're going to grab it, whether it's a colorful package, a white package, that. or I'm any of that. That's what, no, I disagree. I mean, when they bring up, like, kids eating Tide Pods and all that stuff, it's yeah. because it was kids a eat Tide Pods thing that they get. trending on YouTube. Because they look like candy. No, I'm talking about a child who doesn't know what it is, Jason. I'm talking about, like, five and under. I, I do. I agree with you wholeheartedly on that one, Gretchen. Because my daughter, she's three years old, and anything bright colored, she thinks is for her. Period. Doesn't matter what package it is, anything bright, rainbow colored, or anything like that, she wants to tear into it. So I agree Let's with talk that. About, I mean, this this can go a thousand layers deep, right? Let's talk yeah. about all of these multivitamins that look like gummy bears. Let's talk about that. How many kids are having? Having half of a bottle of sure. these gummy vitamins thinking that they're candy. And anything, mean, sweet, anything sweet should not come in that packaging. Like sugar is, it promotes uh, obesity. 
and it is uh, is is probably linked to way more deaths than anything else in uh, colorful packaging, including mm-hmm. cannabis. Yeah, I just say all of this stuff needs to be kept uh, high enough to where your kids can't reach it, and we wouldn't really be having this problem at all. And it's really just a lack of a lack of parenting and a lack of responsibility on behalf of parents by the fact that their kids are getting into this stuff in the first place. Well, Jason, I think that's a ridiculous statement when people have to put disclaimers on coffee that it's hot so you don't sue them when they burn themselves. I mean, well, I would love to be smart enough to just put their shit higher up. That's not how the real world works. You guys, if your kid is in the house and you have an open beer sitting on your counter and your child reaches up to that counter to go take a sip of it, what are the first words that come out of your mouth? Yo, yo, stop. What are you doing? Not for you. Yeah. Right? It's pretty easy. It's not for you. Mm-hmm. My kids even know around the house before they go pick up a single cup that's mine. There, can I have that? Yep. Teach your kids boundaries. Exactly. Were you the one, Mandy, who told the story, was it last week, that their child ate or drank the wrong beverage in your uh, to-go cup? Was that you? That was me. And you know what? My daughter and I had a whole conversation about that. She got in big trouble for that. Yeah. Grounded. Even if it was if it was alcohol, no matter what. Did you beat her? It's your kid. And also <laughs> weed's not gonna kill your kids. So why are we keep calling this poisoning? I don't know. Right. Overconsumption. Because it, I don't know. It creates hysteria. It creates hysteria. That's that's what it's mean. Chris, Chris Eggers, do you have any thoughts in regards? Do you think that this packaging regulation is more more for law enforcement, even though they're using kids as a scapegoat? Or what what do you think? You're 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 a parent too. Yes, I'm I'm a parent. I I don't disagree with your read on that as a byproduct. I absolutely think that law enforcement um is looking for some help in identifying. So I think that that's a byproduct. I don't disagree with your statement or your read there, but um it's hard to say what the real motivation is, but it is important that, you know, boundaries are set to, to Mandy's point, right? And that kids are educated about um, cannabis, about beer, about wine, about uh, cigars, about cigarettes. I mean, there's a lot to educate our kids about uh, to keep them, you know, safe um, within our own households as well. And part of that is, you know, kid-proofing your home and, and being responsible to a bunch of people's points here about how we store uh, not only cannabis, but you know, I, I drink a glass of wine at dinner, right? So mm-hmm. there's a way to there's a way to do that as well in a responsible manner when you have kids in the house. Transparency, guys. Just talk to your kids. Be the first yeah. person to teach yeah. your children about this. Don't be the last. Right? Like the, you should be leading the conversation on this. You're not doing anything wrong. Talk to your kids about it. Mm-hmm. I think it would be interesting to look at this and compare it to Canada's numbers with Canada being the ones who took the lead really on kind of no packaging, no marketing, nothing fancy, and look at their child um, rates going into hospitals or calls to poison control or whatever they do there. That's a good point, um, To Gretchen. see if that's actually made any type of impact. Let's look at the data. All right. All right. Are you going to Google that, Gretchen? No, I ain't got time for that. Okay. All right. Well, then we're going to keep it moving. We're going to roll right into our feisty redheaded conservative who happens to be wearing her colors today. Oh, yeah. She loves to dress up her dogs. But today she dressed up herself in her patriotic red, white, and blue. That's right. She's the founder of Panoptic Strategies. It is Gretchen Gailey. 
like my shirt. You don't like my shirt? I love your shirt. It's what I would have stolen out of Jason Beck's closet. I love this shirt. Yes. This actually, I I always celebrate patriotism, Rico, um, because I'm a fine American. This this shirt actually comes from a trout team that I helped to support the Patriots and... I, I was like, screw it, I'm going to wear their shirt today because I've never worn the damn thing. I love it. But anyway, because trout, trout fishing is good for this country. Let, we should do more of that. All right, let's see here. Uh, my headlines coming from Marijuana Moment. House and Senate both moved to keep blocking D.C. marijuana sales, protecting state medical cannabis laws. House and Senate appropriators have approved large-scale annual spending bills that once again include language to protect state medical cannabis programs, as well as a controversial rider to block Washington, D.C. from implementing a system of regulated marijuana sales. The Senate and House Appropriations Committee both held markups of fiscal year 2024 spending legislation for financial services and general government on Thursday. And the Senate panel, as well as House subcommittee, have also advanced their appropriation measures for commerce, justice, science, and related agencies. Aside from the state medical cannabis and D.C. marijuana sales provisions, House lawmakers rejected a GOP-led amendment to the chamber FSGG report that would have called on the federal government to take steps to study other state cannabis regulatory models and develop a national legalization framework. Lawmakers have consistently attempted to use appropriation measures as vehicles for cannabis reform with mixed results. Even with Democrats in control of both chambers last session, efforts to expand marijuana protections to all legal states and enact limited cannabis banking reform stalled out following bicameral negotiations. A rider to protect state medical cannabis programs from federal intervention, meanwhile, has been annually renewed each year since 2014, and appropriators in both both chambers agreed again with this Congress to keep the language intact in their respective base bills as they advance. This bill again contains language preventing the Justice Department from interfering with states that have medical marijuana laws, ensuring that the prescribing and dispensing of medical marijuana in those states is both legal and regulated. Uh, patients and doctors in states that have approved medical marijuana need to know that they are safe from arrest and prosecution by the federal government, according to the Senate panel. To the disappointment of reform advocates, both the Democratic-controlled Senate and GOP House also maintained a rider in their respective bills that's long blocked the District of Columbia from using its local tax dollars to enact a system of regulated adult-use marijuana sales, despite voters in the district approving legalization of possession and home cultivation at the ballot in 2014. President Joe Biden's fiscal year 2024 budget request that he released in March also maintained the D.C. rider for the third year in a row. Separately, while the House under Democratic control has twice added language in prior CJS spending bills, that sought to expand protections against Justice Department interference in all state and tribal adult use marijuana programs. The chamber did not include that provision in the base bill that advanced through some subcommittee on Friday now that the Republicans are in charge. The reform also did not appear in the Democratic Senate version that advanced on Thursday and no members offered amendments to the matter. Also, neither side attempted to add language to the FSGG bill to protect financial institutions from being penalized by federal regulators simply for working with state legal marijuana businesses. The House has passed limited appropriations legislation that would prevent the use of Treasury Department funds to punish banks that service the industry, but it has never been included in the final package. Meanwhile, the much more robust Standalone Safe Banking Act is currently sitting in legislative limbo, 
As Senate Democrats and Republicans spar over a single section on banking industry regulations, both House and Senate appropriators also maintained a long-standing rider in their new CJS base bills that safeguard state hemp programs from federal interference. Uh, I could keep going, but basically, uh, they've done the D.C. two-step, told D.C. go fuck yourselves when it comes to legalization. This is Gretchen for Hyatt 9 News. Are they not just making a better case for D.C. to go hard into statehood? No. Here? Like, (laughs) they are legitimately just, like, not giving them rights. Well, they've denied D.C. of rights for many years. Yeah. Uh, it is a, like you expect, expect the city to go even harder in their in their march and in their fight for statehood. If you're not going to, they're not going to get statehood. Not a if chance. You, if you want to just throw your money away at a political campaign that's going to go nowhere, sure. Go exactly. Because you need uh, two thirds to go along with that. Two thirds are never going to go along with that. Exactly. It yeah, not a chance. Especially when. The current political state of this country is so 50-50. It'd be one thing if one of the parties was ahead by like 70 seats or something. Then you can make the fight for it. But when it's this close, they are not going to bring in another state, to which is most likely leaning Democratic. I forget what, I think 81% voted for Joe Biden yep. in the last presidential election. Yep. Uh, they are not going to go for a state that leans so far uh, to one side or the other to come into play. Not happening. That's right. It's been, it's been a while since I've lived uh, down there, Gretchen. I know you live in, mm-hmm. in, in the D.C. area. With the massive expansion of Washington and like all these government, the big, big government jobs and all that shit, um, is D.C. more white now than it was 20 years ago? I do not I actually, know of the demographic breakdown of D.C. I actually saw I a demographic. Believe. I saw a demographic breakdown of D.C. the other day, and it actually is 50-50 amongst whites and blacks. Well, we can easily Google. Oh, now you can Google all of a sudden, Gretchen. All of a sudden, Gretchen knows how to Google. I'm impressed. Uh, I don't see Jason Beck doing much Googling. No, I, I, um, I know I'm not a good Googler. I know this. Okay. It says here, as of 2021, white is what they're calling non-Hispanic whites being 59.3% of the population. Hispanic and Latino at 18.9%. And what is this? Is this D.C. or is this the U.S.? Black Americans are 126 That's not. This That's not true. That's not real. Hold on, hold on. Hold That's on. fake news right there, Gretchen. Well, you always love fake news, Jason. Back <laughs> um, talk amongst yourselves. I'm going to find out the demographics. Well, she's going to get the uh, demographics. Yeah, be interesting to see if there is more movement towards that or more uh, empathy towards the statehood movement if there's more white citizens. They don't need the empathy of D.C. voters, Rico. That's my point. They don't get to make the decision on whether or not they become a state. It's Congress. Yeah, exactly. Yes, and Congress tends to go uh, more towards, uh, um, just frankly saying it, more towards uh, white initiatives that are being pushed forward by white constituents. Well, you're crazy. So as of of now, I guess... Easy, easy, easy. I'm giving you numbers. I'm giving you numbers. Numbers. All right. Uh, White numbers, 37.96. Black, 40.91%. See? There's your answer. That's like 50 Native per 50-50. You think because there's more black people here, that's why it's not happening. 
Yes. You're crazy. That's no. That is ridiculous, no, no. Rico. Yes. The reason is because pretend they made D.C. a state that gives you two more Senate seats that are going to go Democratic. Are you kidding me? Yeah, there's no, zero chance that happens. Two more seats to the Dems. Yeah, that's not that's not happening. That's not even a reality. Uh, not even a reality. You guys can keep on dreaming. We're going to keep it going right into a commercial. We'll be right back. Statehood. No, it the control tower from Highly Educated has perfected the dab. Utilizing the concept of thin film evaporation, you can waste none of it and taste all of it. The micro texture of the SE pillar increases nucleation at elevated temperatures. And... With the tower propelling at 2,600 RPMs, it's certainly the most efficient dab experience to date. The Control Tower from Highly Educated. Oh, yeah. Stop whatever you're doing. Make sure that you hit that like button. Also, too, make sure that you are subscribed to our channel in case you haven't. And also, too, you can check out our website. Tons of merch, tons of interesting stuff, tons of articles for you to read through. And with that, we're going to go to our next commercial. Keeping up to date on the evolving policies of relevant state, local, and federal governments is key to success. When the future of your business is at stake, you need representation as dedicated as you are. With a maze of laws and regulations surrounding cannabis, hemp, and psychedelics, knowing where to begin can be a challenge. Good thing the law offices of Omar Figueroa features a skilled, highly focused team ready to guide you through it all. They're accepting new clients in California and New York. So make sure you check them out at info omarfigueroa.com He's a fellow dope dad and former North and California cop who's now a security consultant at CC Security Solutions and making sure that you guys stay safe. Chris Eggers, what you got for us today, my man? Rico Lameet, happy Monday, happy morning, happy Monday morning to all my correspondents, everybody listening. My article today comes out of Washu County, um, <clears throat> specifically out of the Nevada Independent. Washu takes prohibitionist approach, approach to cannabis lounges. So marijuana might be legal in Nevada, but that doesn't mean that elected officials are ready to treat the industry as a legitimate sector of our economy just yet. Washu County commissioners recently voted against allowing cannabis consumption lounges to operate in its unincorporated parts demonstrating just how difficult entrepreneurial progress often is for an industry long targeted by drug warriors, social scolds, and prohibitionists of all stripes, says this article. As the Nevada Independent reported last week, the vote means that cannabis won't be able to move forward with plans to open uh, in northern Nevada's only lounge where adults uh, would have been allowed to consume cannabis products on site. The vote is a setback for more than just one cannabis company set back for the entire industry as it's demonstrated the headwinds faced by cannabis operators who have long struggled to escape the cultural clutches of the nation's failed war on drugs. So this article even goes down to talk about how things are uh, done down in Las Vegas, which is the southern part of uh, the state of Nevada, Washoe County being the northern part where Reno is located. Even in the city of Las Vegas, would-be lounge operators have faced political prejudice against their business models and products. Earlier this year, for example, Las Vegas city officials effectively dashed all of the hopes of a cannabis district downtown by adopting a plethora of regulatory requirements that require lounges to be located a minimum distance away from churches, parks, casinos, and even other lounges. Now, down further in this article, I found it interesting because one of the points that was made um, specifically to cannabis lounges was its access to public transportation because of a growing concern from law enforcement specifically 
about impaired driving. Um, and that's not to say, according to this article, I'm going to further read more. It says that not, that's not to say that there aren't legitimate public safety concerns related to um, the consumption of cannabis in Washoe County or elsewhere in the state. However, pushing the consumption of marijuana back underground uh, through regulations and outright prohibition does not does nothing to alleviate those concerns. So here we are again talking about the consumption of cannabis, ca- cannabis lounges, access to cannabis lounges, um, and all of the other various regulations that are placed on them that are um, not by other industries. So wanted to share that this morning on on uh, this beautiful Monday morning. Thanks for allowing me to contribute. My name is Chris Eggers for Hyatt Nine News Hour. Oh man, 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 man! No lounges. <laughs> Specifically, I mean, how would how would bars be affected? How would casinos be affected if they were not closer to um, predetermined routes on with respect to public uh, transportation? That was an interesting point. I thought this article brought up mm-hmm. in re- in regards to in the proximity to exits. Is or, is that what you're saying, Chris? No, they're saying that this article references one of the concerns uh, put out by people who do not want cannabis lounges um, is that they need to be placed near public transportation routes because of the uh, consumption aspect and the potential for impaired driving. I mean, don't, I, I think that's kind of like a little bit outdated when most people use, use Uber for, for their type of transportation as opposed to the city bus. Oh, there's plenty of drunk people getting on subways at night, Jason Beck. What are you yeah, about? but there's no subway in Reno, Gretchen. Well, then they get on the bus out there. Yeah, oh. it's, it's, it's a bus. It's pretty like, rural out there. It's like there is no bus. They probably got some taxi cabs, too. You know what I mean? But there is no there is no train in Reno. Maybe they should get one with their marijuana tax dollars. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll hey, it's better than going to the law enforcement, right? Hallelujah. Okay. I'm, I mean, I can agree with that. I can agree with that statement. Chris, but, does it go more into their reasoning of why this is why they went this way? Not really. It, it doesn't. Uh, not really, Gretchen. I mean, there's going to be a bunch of different arguments, and again, I don't think there's one clear answer. But um, that was one of the main main arguments here was um, access to public transportation, and you know, pushing these consumption lounges to areas where there's uh, more accessible public transportation because of consumption concerns. But you know, we don't do that in with casinos or bars, and yeah, you know. Nevada is not the poster child for exactly. Uh, so exactly, not you know. This is just so so crazy to me. So crazy to me that, that, that this is the reason that they're pushing back on this. Hey, save the children. Yeah, save the children. Oh, <laughs> and we want to thank we want to thank Leah Patrick. She says thanks everyone at High at Nine News with a big super chat coming in strong today. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Oh, look at that. It sounds so fun over there, Rico. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You, you have any any thoughts on this? Any Anyone else have any thoughts on this? All right. Seeing, 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 no. We're going to go to our final commercial. We're going to be, we don't have no more commercials. We're all done with commercials, Adam. Okay. All right. We're all done with commercials. Then we're going to go right on into Mandy Tingler. She's the mom with a plan who loves to show people how being an executive, uh, uh, Emerald Cup edibles judge and motherhood all go hand in hand with an executive lifestyle. Oh, yeah. Coming up next, it is Mandy Tingler. That's a fun one. 
Um, thanks. Good morning, everybody. Happy Monday. I've got a fun one for you. Anybody like weed and weddings? Well, a Waterford couple won a $40,000 weed wedding, complete with pot-infused food for 50 guests. It says, Danielle Gerald and Niall Hunt III, a Waterford couple whose storybook romance, personal struggles, and mutual passion for normalizing marijuana earned them the nuptials of a lifetime. $40,000 all-expense-paid weed wedding, complete with pot-infused food for up to 50 guests and a top-shelf bud bar and marijuana leaves to throw in lieu of, in lieu of rice. Bride's bouquet will also have cannabis leaves mixed in. So will the floral centerpieces. And the groom, a decorated Navy veteran, plans to wear a forest green suit, a color to match the plant that helped him heal physically and emotionally from the injuries he sustained in a 2010 bomb blast in Afghanistan. It's the same plant that helped his bride and their family members endure the ails of all sorts like cancer, anxieties, and hip replacement and appetite issues. He said that they're the poster children for trying to normalize pot. Soon-to-be newlyweds also use marijuana recreationally. We could be the best poster children for trying to normalize pot, and that's what they're trying to do here, Gerald said of her statement wedding. It should be just as widely acceptable as going to the liquor store to get a six-pack, she said noting that the vast majority of her wedding guests also use marijuana. There's going to be a good buzz, she said at her wedding, noting everything will be heavily labeled. There will be plenty of signage. The wedding is October 5th with the ceremony to occur at the place that made this all happen, the greenhouse of Wald Lake. Uh, you guys, this couple entered this competition at this dispensary. It's had some really creative ways of advertising and marketing their promotional events. They do cool events like Super Bowl specials and they give deals to people who come in in their jerseys. And this wedding experience is just another layer of ways that they get customers to come in and, and be a part of their shop. What's really exciting about this couple is that they actually had a nine year long love story and it's all suddenly ending with a really wonderful weed wedding. So uh, these nuptials are definitely going to be a unique experience. I think somebody should go out there and cover this live in Michigan in October, Jason. And uh, this is Mandy Tingler, a.k.a. Carmen Sacramento, coming at you live on Monday morning for Hyatt 9 News. Who wants to go to this weed wedding in Michigan with me? I mean, they're only allowed to have 50 people there. I don't think you're going to get an invite. I love a good wedding, and I won't consume, so I'll just take it in. I don't have to. Right? You'll meet me there, Gretchen. You'll be my date. Yeah. Sure. What the hell? Michigan's like not that far away. Oh, I like it. I like it. I mean, isn't 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 forty thousand dollars not a lot of money for a wedding? I mean, it's in California, it would not be much for a wedding like, out I thought, here. Um, I think. That well, mind you, it's only for fifty. I thought you need like a, like 40. a quarter million for like oh, a real it wedding. Depends on where you're having a wedding. Depends where you're having the wedding. For fifty people, it's a decent amount, but also. Plus, we're talking Michigan. Michigan like perhaps are a little bit more affordable. I'm not sure. California it wouldn't be much. I mean, this ain't right. no Jason Beck wedding where you know Trump is flying in and the yeah PJs for everybody. PJs, yeah. Trump descending from a helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
all jokes aside, this topic of weed at weddings is actually something that I get really excited about because alcohol consumption is at a very high rate at most weddings, right? I mean, how has anybody ever been invited to a dry wedding? You're oh, like terrible. Oh, who would go to that? Really? <laughs> who would go to that? Right. But weed at We're weddings tailgating so in the parking fun. lot. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like, well, that's what the bathrooms are for. Yeah. <laughs> I, I agree with you, Mandy. I love this idea. I love the marketing behind this dispensary putting this together. I think I think this is a great idea. I think more should be into it. If I ever have the wonderful opportunity to walk down the aisle, although no man can contain me. Um, I would say I would love to have weed at my wedding for my guests who are of the the ilk to want to consume. I won't consume, but I would have no trouble having a cannabis bar or some sort, dab bar, whatever at my wedding. Knock yourselves out. Go for it. Especially if someone else is paying for it. Your dad would be paying for it, Gretchen. Mm. Ah. Yeah. Clearly you haven't met my father, but that's another story for another time. Oh, maybe you that's Jack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A smart father. Uh, do dads still pay for weddings? Yeah, they do. Much oh, yeah. Out of my pocket. Yeah, dad, dads definitely still pay for weddings. Uh, my wedding party favors, you better believe, are going to be all see? kinds of weed. It's going to be real party favors, if you know what I mean. Uh-huh. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder um, if 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 this weed was all just like trap weed that they're having at this event, or if it, I mean, because I'm you know it's not on metric. <laughs> just saying. Definitely not on metric. They're just yeah. throwing it in the air like rice. Yep, exactly. <laughs> I can just smell the party like falling on the ground with bags trying to gather it all up. <laughs> Um, well, not that Jason ever is trying to make a real point, but that is a question I would have. Yeah, see? Is that a concern for a store just giving away $40,000 worth of weed to no, because random? You can give there ain't no store giving away $40,000 worth of weed. Yeah, right. right. Asking, no. Yeah, right. This is all trap. Fly by and dump a whole bu- big bucket out the window. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is all this is all trap trap weed for sure. Make it, make it rain. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, and uh, Gretchen, I don't know if you saw this in the chat, but Nick Bradley said he would never try to contain you. I don't know. <laughs> we, we, I, I, I appreciate the sentiment. Thank you, but, uh, and Nick, you would not have a chance in hell of containing me. Oh man. <laughs> I love it. I want to be in that wedding. Got to use the lasso, brother. Mm-hmm. So, good Lord. Oh, boy. Says the man from Northwestern. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That sounds like a whole new ESPN interview right there, Rico. Hey. Uh, oh, <laughs> oh, man. Let's, 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 roll into, let's roll into the count himself. All right. Up next. He is the merriest of all merry men somewhere on the astral plane, and we're glad to have him back on Earth with us in a sane position. And it seems like he's not as psychedelic as usual, but I hope he's up to it. He is the man, the co-host of the What's Good podcast. Come to the stage next, Matthew St. Germain. Greetings, y'all. Happy Monday. I'm a little low energy because I spent the entire weekend at Northern Nights Music Festival getting high as I could be at uh, this great festival with all my friends up in the woods of Humboldt. Um, 
have a pretty disturbing story too, so it's kind of just a maudlin Monday. Another employee has died in a manufacturing facility, this time in Rock Island. This comes from Weed Week. They, it starts with a press statement from Green Thumb Industries that says, it is with great sadness that we confirm the passing of an employee at our Rock Island, Illinois facility. Deepest condolences go out to her family, Green Thumb. We're working to confirm the details surrounding this tragic event. However, we have no reason to believe it was related to the work environment. We're focused on supporting our team members and the family during this difficult time. Her name has not yet been revealed, but according to testimony from another employee, she was about 60 years old and had recently changed position within the company from desk work to manufacturing. Uh, another employee said that while working in the production area, he himself had been having coughing fits. Added that he received a very threatening call from the company's HR executive after posting the news of this tragic event on social media sites. News comes on the heels of Teamsters Local 777 filing additional unfair labor practice charges against Green Thumb Industries company of Verizon dispensaries. Charges came after workers embarked on the longest ULP strike at the cannabis retailer in Union Tree. Rock Island factory is not yet union. And Alex Suarez, who is a cannabis business agent with Teamsters Local 777, the deceased worker also had chronic obstructive pulmonary disease known as COPD. Rock Island County Coroner Brian Gustafson told Weed Week that the case is being investigated as a natural death and not related to the work environment. Fortunately, this is not the first incident of this kind in the cannabis industry. Last year, Lorna McMurray tragically died at the age of 27 at a Truly facility in January 2022, also in the manufacturing section. The report filed by the Occupational Safety Health Administration, McMurray complained that she couldn't breathe, presumably due to the cannabis dust in the air where she was grinding and packaging pre-rolls. Taken to a local hospital where she died shortly thereafter. And another thing the article goes on to say is a lot of these workers are not being provided with any type of respirators while they're grinding up you know pounds and pounds tens of pounds hundreds of pounds of cannabis which is just putting tons of dust in the air it's it's that's definitely a hazard and uh i'm just really interested to say uh what you guys um think about this and are we going to see more health regulations turning into the cannabis cannabis manufacturing packaging space this is a slightly scrambled matthew st germain for the high at nine news on a monday slightly scrambled huh I'm fine. I'm just looking around. Uh, I mean, and, your main. it says OSHA's not involved. No one's involved. Uh, OSHA. Because uh, they're not treating this as a workplace death. Correct. So the, once mm. the once the coroner's report comes out, then if if something when that changed, then OSHA probably. Why, why why aren't they treating this as a workplace death if the person died on the workplace? That's a great question. And did she actually die in the workplace? Um the no. the article did not say. Regulators. I don't know. I th I think that's a union job right there. I mean, I think there's a lot of questions here that still have to be answered before. Right. GTI. It's very sad. Have you seen those big grind? You know, those big grinders that are like yeah, big grinders right. like yeah. a keg of beer, creating a huge amount of uh, just dust and particulates, and and or what that dust and particulate is made of is made of sawdust, cannabis dust, or grindings. Like none of that stuff is going to be good for getting into your lungs. I think a lot of people just never really even considered this, you know? What about all the powder mold on their weed, bro? Ew. Also not good. Yeah. But we also don't know what she was doing yet, correct? It said that she had moved into manufacturing. That's so kind of broad, though, isn't that? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am, it is. They could be, she could be making hash. She could be doing pre-rolls. She could be packing boxes, for all we know. Yes, yes that part's so, true, mean, too. If, I mean, if... if 
how how much do we need you know from uh, uh lorna mcmurray and then this this death as well like how much do we need to say that you know you need to be protecting these workers especially in spaces with, with industrial trimming and and hold on where where's the unions at okay in in this in this conversation because that is a non-union facility the that is a facility. Non-union, non-union facility correlation right there <laughs> I smell something fishy. Well, I would just say this is another example of why unions are not a bad thing. Yeah, that they're not a bad thing. I didn't say unions are a bad thing. They're just overpriced for what you get out of them. It's a good wake-up call for everybody who does manufacturing, pre-roll manufacturing, and these type of things to really examine their workplace and, and focus on the health of, of their, their employees. Yeah, and like and if, you, if you're working in a place like that, like, like and they don't offer any kind of union protection, maybe you should think twice about working at those facilities. And like, do you know what kind of um, equipment is required, like in wood mill facilities, as far as respirators or anything like that? I I, I really don't. I have no idea. The sawmill, a saw, sawmill. They just wear they just wear those little white masks like everybody did uh, during COVID. In ninety five. No, no, not the N95. Just the regular painter mask. Just the regular painter one. The cheap ones. Yeah, it's better than nothing. Yeah, and most of them, are, most of them are outdoors too, right? Yeah, yeah. Most of most of it is all outdoors. Yeah. I would think a lot of stuff in a lumber mill at this point in time is automated. I don't know how much of it's really a worker sitting there sucking up dust the whole time, though. Um. I mean, maybe. I, I think I think this is a. I think we need a lot more answers from investigators as to what caused this woman's death. Um, yeah. I think we also need to know what part of the facility she was working in. Do mm-hmm. we know what's done in this facility? Is it just pre-roll stuff or what? Do we know anything? wasn't a lot of detail, but that other employee did say that when he was in the same area, he was having coughing fits after working there for a week. Did he say he worked with her in that area? Oh, but he just said he worked in the same area. There, it could be a ventilation. Oh, we still don't know what area that is specifically, right? Like if it's so, uh, is what it says. And do we know if Illinois even requires masks, or do we know anything? I think it's hard for us to. I mean, Illinois is a big. Mostly it's clueless. Big, I, I was eating LSD in the weekend, all, uh, in the woods all weekend. So I get yeah. it. I just mean in the actual <laughs> cannabis regs, if they have rules ah. about. Yeah, I don't I mean, think Illinois they do. Is a big state. This, this is surprising that it would happen there. Uh, yeah. Nick Bradley is saying in the chat. He's saying he's saying that they're saying that she had COPD. And that's why it's not a work-related incident. If she had COPD, she'd be even more vulnerable to dust. And if she had COPD, they shouldn't have put her. Like, they shouldn't, shouldn't have, have put her that. on the trimmer. They shouldn't yeah, have put her anywhere near that. Shouldn't have been there Great. at all. Mm-hmm. Did she disclose that to her work, her you know employer that she had COPD? Who knows? I mean, there's so many questions that need to be answered. Yes, yeah. lots of questions, and we'll get down to the bottom of it. That's for sure. Yeah. And Lorna, Lorna McMurray out in um, Holyoke, Massachusetts, had zero history of any respiratory problems, and she ended up dying. Didn't masks require masks, Rico? Were you no. giving them like the COVID, the COVID masks? Were giving no, them respirators? Yeah, no respirators. She ended up, um, yeah, after complaining for weeks of having respiratory issues, she ended up using her dad's because her dad right. works in a union factory using her dad's N95 mask. But um, they did not require any of that stuff. It's well, a sad, sad story I know, overall. I know we don't want to regulate anything ever in this industry, but people really need to look at safety and um, perhaps the 
This is why we need federal legalization. I'm sorry, but you need the feds to step in and tell them how to run this shit. Does it anyone find it interesting that the only cannabis deaths that have happened in facilities since the start of legalization all happened in MSO facilities? Yeah. Not just well, MSO facilities. It's not surprising to me. Major, major giants, right? Mm-hmm. Well, is that because of the production and what is acquired over other facilities? They care more like, are about... They, are they pumping out more inventory, is my question, than yeah. the smaller guy? Volume. I don't know. I, I don't know. Of, it, of scale I would, as well as I would less say that that's probably a safe bet to make. Mm-hmm. I think that I think that could be up for debate. I think it's going to depend on what state. Like, if you were talking about Florida, then I would say yes. But if we're talking about Massachusetts, I would say no. Well, if there's anyone in our chat who knows more about safety regs in the industry, it'd be good to know if any state requires masking or anything for workers in the, their facilities. Please hit us up and hit the what's the contact uh, email, Jason Beck? Tips. If they can hit at Hyatt tips. Nine News. There just you go. the tips. Yeah, Hyatt just the tips. News. Yeah, T I P S at H I G H A T, the number nine, and news. At this point, it's kind of wrap it up. So we go to meet. It is. Don't sue us, Bo Wrigley. Yeah. Thank you all. And Nick says every state has OSHA requirements, Gretchen. Every single state. I understand that. I'm asking about the masking. If if Nick can inform us, I would appreciate it. Oh, look at the, Nick! She would appreciate you, Nick. Oh, yeah. good lord! Come on, let's go. <laughs> Nick, Nick, will wear, Nick will wear any mask you want him to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Thank boy. you all for joining us today for another episode of High Nine News. You can always catch us weekdays 9 a.m. Pacific, high noon on the East Coast. Big shout out to our super fans showing love and getting their comments projected live on the big screen. Also to the audience members and online supporters catching us across all media platforms live, tuning in, and giving us feedback on the daily headlines of chaos, also known as the developing cannabis industry. To our vetted correspondent team tuning in from all over, bringing us much-needed variety of your perspective and your respected opinions to the table. To our production team, Cloud Media Partners, House of Fuego, The Vortex, all of our sponsors helping us keep the lights on, keeping our AV struggles to a minimum. And of course, the lovely Jaja Simone helping us out on all the other platforms. To the haters out there, Keep on hating, keep on hating, keep on hating. I'm going to keep on loving. I love you. Remember that from the heart, bottom of my heart. And always, Cannabis Sativa L. The reason that I9 News team shows up to read these stories every day. Thank you. It has been Monday, July 17th, 2023. The show's over, and you've all been blessed with today's top industry headlines. Hope is enough for you to put in your pipe and smoke at least until tomorrow. Mandy Tingler, what you got for us? I'm going to take these beautiful people out today. Make it a marvelous Monday, everybody. Go out, give somebody a hug, and make some money. Mandy Monday. Oh, yeah, secure the bag.